Is life going less than perfect for you? I feel like we can all say yes to that. Maybe you're in a season where you're just so busy and stressed, or maybe you just feel like you can't win. Maybe you're having an awful season. Whatever the reason is, I know this episode will apply to you like it has applied to me and my own life. We will talk about, honestly, the number one thing I do when life is less than perfect, what that looks like, and how you can apply it to yourself. Maybe you've heard it. Worship is my weapon. Maybe you've seen the t-shirt. Maybe you've seen the sticker. Maybe we've even talked about it here on the podcast. But today I have my friend Macy Manning Robinson, and we are going to jump into a conversation where she shares her life and when she has had to use worship as a weapon. Friends, Don't miss this episode as we dig into some biblical scripture and context. We see some characters from the Bible and what they did to live out their worship. And we encourage and equip you to do the same. Hey friend, welcome to the Abundant Woman Collective podcast. Do you want to grow in your faith and have an intimate relationship with Jesus? Do you wake up with big ambitious goals only to be overwhelmed and frustrated when you're way too busy and forgot to prioritize your time with him again? Hey, I'm Sam and I too was someone who craved a deeper relationship but was too busy to make it happen. I felt overwhelmed at trying to fit him in and wished I could be confident in my faith and identity. I wanted to read the Bible and actually understand what I was reading but I kept telling myself that I didn't have the time, the know-how, or the discipline or tools to make it happen until I found a little secret to get rid of the Christian checklist. In this podcast, you will find biblical truth, hope-filled conversations with women who are right where you are, and all of the practical tools to implement so that you will be able to deepen your relationship with Jesus. So grab your copy, Bible and pen, and let's dig in. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Abundant Woman Collective Podcast. I am so excited. I know I say that every week, but this week I mean it again. And this week feels special because I have my friend Macy Manning here with us. And Macy, I'm so excited. Thank you for just being like, yes, let's do this this week before I have a baby. (laughs) So, and I'm super thrilled what we're going to be talking about today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming. Yes, I have to get used to um, my new name because technically my name is still Macy oh my Manning, gosh. but then I tacked on, obviously, my husband's name, Robinson. And so it, it, I still hear it all the time. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I am Macy Manning. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, but I'm Macy Manning Robinson. It's just weird when you spend your whole life being one yes. thing and then all of a sudden you change it, which it's been a couple of years. But yes, I know. Macy, my middle name is actually Manning, so you're technically right. You just called me by my first name and then Robinson. Yeah. So Sam and I was sorry, Jared. We worked together. Sam and I worked together. We've known each other for like at least four, three, four years. Something like that now. We've never met in person. We've only done life through the digital world, which seems common these days. But yeah, when you started your podcast, I, I took the one invitation you ever gave me. Like, hey, you should be on my podcast. And I was like, yeah, I should. Yeah, we should talk. Yeah, let's go. So, fun. so today's the day. I am 37 yes. going on 38 weeks pregnant. And I'm like, if we don't do it now, Sam, I can't guarantee you this is going to happen ever. anytime yes. soon. So yeah, excited to be here. So funny. Yes. And okay, let's give a little bit of context. We'll just give context first before we jump into your story. Because yes, Macy and I... I um, work with her parents, her, and then now I work with her for the last few years of um, a ministry called Crazy Cool Family, 
And Mm -hmm. that is why, and all of there's, how many of you, six kids? Seven. Yeah. Seven Seven. Manning kids. And so I just Mm -hmm. know them by the Mannings. And so I'm sorry, Macy, that I forgot your last name, but that is why. Yeah, we are. We're a big unit that travel together. I grew up in a big family. We're not Mormon. We're not Catholic. We're Christian. We love Jesus. Our ministry is all about loving Jesus and loving each other. Um, yeah, we just believe that God's mission and family is all about being God's idea. And how do you live that out? How do you be the best parents you can be? My husband and I are about to have our first little girl, our first daughter, and we're soaking up all this truth from my parents. They're 30 plus years of experience of like, how do you do this? How do you be parents in this day and age? How do you love God and love your family well? And so, yeah, Sam and I get to do fun things and fun projects and social media stuff um, in that realm. It's just fun. I like working with you. So fun. I like working with you too. Okay. Now let's jump into <laughs> you, Macy. Uh, today, I'm super excited, but let's just start with your story. Share a little bit about like who you are, what you're about, all the things. Yeah. So I am a woman. That's what qualifies me to get to be on this podcast. I guess yeah. maybe you'll have men one day, but I, I am a woman. Um, I'm the third kid in the Manning family lineup. So my parents had four girls and then they had three boys, all with M's. Molly, Madeline, Macy, Mackenzie, and then the boys are Michael, Madeline, McCabe. And we're anywhere from two to four years apart. So for like two decades, my mom was having kids. And that's just a lot of my story. I grew up homeschooled and I went to private school and lived in a super privileged, sheltered bubble growing up. Like the funny story we always say is like, if you said shut up or stupid, you got your mouth washed out with soap, you know, just like extreme tactics of like sheltering and just raising us and protecting us from the world. And so one of my first memories, just so interesting as as a little girl was like, I was probably like six, maybe seven years old. And I had continuous nightmares night after night after night for months. And the nightmare was that I would wake up would walk into my mom's room and she would be laying in her bed and she had passed away. And it was super traumatic and like super stressful for me. And I would wake up like hyperventilating essentially and scared. And I'd go into my mom's room and she was not dead. You know, she was very much alive, probably nursing, you know, a child, you know, and she was like, Macy, everything's fine. Go back to that. And so early on in my life, I remember, which is kind of what we're talking about today. I feel like it's kind of a lot of my story is there was just like a pretty strong fear presence in my life and in my heart created a lot of insecurity it created a lot of desired people please it created a lot of like I was too scared to do anything like my older sisters were really adventurous and my younger brothers were really adventurous and I wasn't I was pretty hesitant and so there's a lot in that but that's kind of like a lot of my story is how God met me in the midst of fear God met me in the midst of insecurity through my heart from a pretty early age and when I was like probably seven or eight years old, I got scooped up by a couple women in our church and they started developing like a worship and a singing and a musical gifting that God had put in me. And worship became this like mark on my life and this like weapon essentially that I got to use to combat fear from the enemy. And so that's kind of what my story is, is just the the different seasons, little kidhood, middle school, crazy, awkward phase, high school, world, college, and now I'm in my like late 20s. And I just feel like in all these different seasons, God has marked me with like, hey, life is life. Fear is going to come. 
things are going to be hard and scary, but worship is like a really powerful and effective way to combat the things that you feel inside and combat the anxieties and the stresses of the world. So that's kind of a like short summary of my life and my testimony. I feel like God has marked me and transformed me. He's still working on me, obviously. About to be a mom, and there's a lot of fears and anxieties that have already come up with being pregnant and having kids um, and being a parent. And so I just feel like God's continuing to do a work in me by showing me that like fear. I think there's a song that's just recently come out like, called Fear is Not My Future by Brandon mm-hmm. Lake, and I think Maverick City, and that song has resonated. But it's like, fear is not my future because God is. And that feels like it really defines a lot of my story. Fear is not my future. He is. So, yeah, I love that. I also used to have uh, nightmares and they continued for a long time. Um, And they were now I recognize them as like spiritual warfare. But mm-hmm. my uh, Hannah is my six, almost seven year old, and she has nightmares. And so mm. we've been walking through a lot of kind of training, right? Battleground training for that. When you wake up in the middle of the night, we talk about it even during the day. And so it's not in the, you know, heat of the moments, but like, what is happening in these dreams or what, what are you afraid of? And, um, even at the water park the other day, she did not want to go on any of the water slides. She just wanted to go on the little kid one. And so I could have been like, yeah, that's cool. Like, go have fun. But instead I was like, what, why don't you want to go on the other one. She's like, I'm afraid. Like I'm scared. Mm-hmm. The tubes are dark. They're scary, you know? And, and she's six. So of course they are. And so it was just, I referenced <laughs> Brandon Lake. Um, but then also like, Hey, what do we like? Fear is a liar. Right. And she's like, you're right. And I said, so what do we do with fear? <laughs> like, and she's like, we rebuke it just like our bad dreams. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can either, you can totally not go on the water slides. Like that's a hundred percent available for you. Or you could kick the enemy or fear in its face and say, fear is a liar and go try the water slide and then see if you like it or not. And so she was so proud of herself when she did, like she did, she went, she came down, she ran to me. She was like, you're right, mommy. Like fear is a liar. That was so fun. And that was just a tiny little moment that like literally just happened last week. But it was one of those things where I feel like so many times it's easy as a mom to do that for your children. like. Yes, fear is a liar. Mm -hmm. Yes, let's kick the enemy in his face. All those things. But then in my own stuff, I can't tell you how many times, even as a grown up, that I like will let my mind spiral in that like, oh, this bad thing could have really happened to us. So let me like imagine it in my mind. You know what I mean? Or let me be afraid of this. And I wouldn't do the same thing that I teach my kids to myself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's so easy to do it for someone else. But Macy is here because she's going to share more things. But I want this, really, I share that story to be a reminder for you women listening that, like, you get to not only control your thoughts and and that, but you get to tell yourself the same thing. You get to use scripture that Mm -hmm. we'll talk about to combat your mind and your fears and your anxiety. Because fear could also be, like, anxiety, depression, worries. Keep naming the list. And we all have it. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, like, is a lot of my maturity and walk with God um, has been marked by what you just said, by scripture and understanding what is true versus what the enemy is trying to say and the narrative that he's trying to speak over 
I think everyone's life, I think we all yeah. deal with an element of like anxiety or fear or even just like worry about the future. And so Psalms 27 is something that I was thinking about um, for to talk about. And I'm just going to read it if that's okay. But it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Because the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me, so violent. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arises against me, yet I will be confident. And then I love this verse, verse four. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of my days, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And there's just like so much jam-packed into those first couple of verses. And so moms or women, if you're listening to this and you're like, I need some scripture on, you know, combating fear or worry or whatever, start in Psalms 27 and 28 and 29 and 30. Like this whole chunk of scripture, just I just have really resonated with it over the years. But there's this idea that's like the world is the world and it's broken and it wants to eat up your flesh you know like this is very violent very scary this is david writing in scripture and he's just crying out to god and saying i'm i'm afraid of what's happening around me and he twists it and he turns it pretty quick but i know that you were with me but i'm not going to be afraid the lord is the stronghold of my life you know i will choose to dwell in the house of the lord and i think that's where the truth of scripture the power of worship kind of got morphed for me and kind of became not just this like great Christian thing we talked about at church, but it became like really real in my life as I would read these Psalms and I would experience the the similar feeling, not the similar circumstance, but the similar feeling that David was expressing. And then I would watch him change his like perspective or I'd watch him change his view of the world by looking to God, by worshiping. And that's kind of when I got scooped up by these women in our church and I got kind of discipled into worship leading. That's what they kept talking about was like, worship is lifting your eyes up, getting your eyes off of your circumstance. You know, like Peter walking on water with Jesus. It's like the water was raging around him, but he was looking at Jesus and it was like, he could do anything. He could do the supernatural. You know, he could overcome any fear, any anxiety, and that's where, like, I feel like my life has been marked by encountering God and knowing God through worship. And I just wanted to find that because I think a lot of people think worship and they think like Christian radio, you know, when <laughs> they think like loud electric music in your non-denominational church, you know, or like Bethel, you know, and I'm like, yes, yes, those fall under the worship umbrella. But if you look at scripture, worship really at its core is like looking at God in responding to who God is and his steadfast character over and over and over day in and day out. You know, like it says in scripture that we are worshipers. We worship in spirit and in truth. It's not really about music. It's not really about, you know, catchy songs and a band with great acoustics, you know, and bright lights. You know, like those things add to the glory of God, hopefully. (laughs) But it's like, it's really a heart posture that we get to come and understand who God is. And then for me, I believe that worship becomes a weapon. It becomes like a tool that you use, like we said, with your little girl, like it becomes something that we use to stop 
the schemes of the enemy to stop the things that are hurting us, the things that create fear or anxiety or those different things. And so I just wanted to share one other scripture really quick that's helped me understand the idea of worship and like seeing God and getting my eyes up. It's from Isaiah 6. Um, it's basically, I'm not going to read all of it, but it's basically describing Isaiah sees a vision from the Lord and it's describing um, the throne room. Verse one, in the year of King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And it goes on to talk about his voice, uh, the room filled with smoke, and how, like, basically, verse five, Isaiah says, Woe to me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And he basically, he sees the glory of God in this picture and these seraphim and these creatures that are all in the throne room of God. And he realizes his tininess and his humility and in his like brokenness, he realizes the state of him and his world. And I was taught about this in college and it like really messed with me because I was like, here I have been worshiping all these years. Here I have been combating fear, but I've been missing this piece of like, oh, it's God. Like the glory of God eliminates, cancels out any darkness. It's not something I'm doing. It's not like some good declarations or song lyrics I'm singing. This is like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Every time I have fear and the Holy Spirit washes it away with peace or love, every time I have anxiety and the Spirit gives me a scripture or anything, that's the Lord doing that work. That's his power. That's not by my own doing that. So I just feel like it's it's important when we're talking about worship to connect it to the battles we face because I think they are connected. But I think most importantly, worship is fixing our eyes on God and not on what we're doing to fix the situation. You know, it's like, no, it's like coming from heaven to earth. We are looking at and it's coming in, if that makes sense. I just love that. It makes life feel really like powerful and meaningful when you're not stuck in the schemes of the enemy, but you're like, you're using the kingdom of God weapons like worship and things and truth and scripture. So I just think that that's important to and it, get out there. <laughs> yes. I think it also, what, when you're saying that, like it makes it easier, right? Because we're not in control. We actually don't have the control to fix it. We just are human and think we can. Um, but it's almost like it's surrendering in which like, okay, God, it's yours anyway. Like you're the holy the Holy one it's you've created mm-hmm. this to work this way. So, you know, like do your job. I, I almost say like, it's almost like challenging God, but not challenging God, but in the way that is like holy reverent fear of God, but also it's yours anyway. So I'm literally just giving it back to you. And yeah. I love all of the girls that can't sing like me literally <laughs> said, amen. When you said worship is not based on talent or vocal ability yeah. or instrument ability, yeah. because I would say that I'm a worshiper, but I cannot sing. And, you know, maybe when I get to heaven, I'm like, Jesus, I know all the lyrics to all the songs that I can't sing. But 
No, but for real. But so many times we get caught up in that definition of worship. So then it limits our, our, well, it limits what we think worship is. And then it limits our ability to worship. If I think worship is just singing and I can't actually sing or it doesn't sound good, then, well, maybe I'm not meant to worship. And we were created for worship. And so I just, I love that you brought that up and praise Jesus. We're not David in exile running from Saul because he's going to die. That's when he wrote that. Like I've never ran from someone for my life. So, and yet this man is doing that and can still turn his eyes to Jesus, can still express his fear to Jesus and know that the Lord's going to come through to him. Like, I feel like that's what's beautiful about David's Psalms is sometimes, yes, he's way emotional (laughs) and like, but also he has a relationship with our father that he has freedom to be emotional and he has a freedom to say, Hey daddy, I am so afraid. I know you're going to come through, but right now I'm just afraid. Like, and then I love that God kept that in the Bible. (laughs) Like there's so much that happened that isn't in the Bible. And so what Mm -hmm. is in the Bible is very important. And so I feel like thank you God for showing David's emotions to us. So we can do that in the same way. We can run to the Lord when we're afraid and have the same response and look up. Yeah. I just, I think that's beautiful that it's not like um, Christianity makes us some sort of like superhuman or superwoman. Like we have to have it together. We can't be afraid. We can't do all these things because those are bad. Right. When instead that's not true. That's literally counter to what we just read, which is beautiful. Well, and that's kind of the other big tenant or piece of my story is like, I would say this is a newer part of my understanding of walking with God, but this idea that like fear is exchangeable. And so, like you said, when I call on the Lord, he shows up. It may not be what I think it's going to look like. You know, the process is always new and different, but this idea of like, if the world is creating fear, of fill in the blank, fear of the future, fear of man, fear of failure, fear of death, you know, like whatever it is, then I believe, and I feel like I'm learning to work out the process of like, there's another power greater. There's actually an authority. I learned this in a, like a spiritual healing school that I did a year or two ago, but it was like, anything the enemy does is a power trip. Anything that God does is ultimate authority and authority always trumps power. And so there's like this, this like battle going on for what part of your heart is going to be captured by fear. Is it the fear of God and the ultimate power of God? Or is it the the schemes of the enemy and the fear that comes with that? And so I've been learning that like fear is going to come period the end and to have shame or guilt or condemnation about feeling fearful about things is honestly a waste of time. And I know that might press on some buttons, but I'm like, it's a secondary response. If I feel fearful and then I start shaming myself for being fearful, now I'm caught up in a bad cycle of all the enemy's junk. But if I see fear as like um, an indicator or a response of like, okay, my body's trying to tell me something. My heart's trying to protect me in some way. I don't feel like this is from God, but let me let me listen to it. Don't give it the whole floor, but let me listen to it. Then there becomes this opportunity for an exchange. And I've just been finding lately that like when I identify fear and I don't shame myself for it and I don't crawl into a deep, dark, emotional hole like David does a lot of times, 
I get access to the fear of God, which is totally different than the fear of the world. The fear of God is described in scripture as like awe, wonder, majesty, magnificence, glory, like majestic, like it talks about in Isaiah 6, like just this out-of-body experience that fills the room because you're looking at the God, the creator of the universe. And so I just feel like that's like a really important part of my story, but also the way I want to encourage women out there is like, if you feel gripped by fear and you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what to do with it, then my challenge or my exhortation would be, what what is your definition of the fear of God? You know, like we live in the fear of man, but what is your definition of the fear of God? Do you understand the concept of the fear of God? Have you looked at scripture? Have you listened to any podcasts? You know, we have zillions of resources out there these days, but like what revelation have you had in your life about fearing God? Because it's not a bad fear. It's not a scary fear. Sometimes like I tremble when I'm in the presence of God and feel the fear of God, but I never feel unsafe or I never feel like in danger. I don't know. I think there's, there is like a, like I said, an authority and a majesty to the presence of God. But I found over the last couple of years, specifically getting to be married and now getting to step into parenthood, there's, um, I think there's an assignment or a scheme on our lives from the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy it with fear. And I think God wants the exact opposite. He wants to bring like, joy and life and light and power and endurance by us choosing to fear him instead of choosing to fear what the world says we should be fearful of. Because I just love that, that idea and that concept. I'm still unpacking it with God, still working it out every day, but just like, if you live in fear, it is exchangeable in the kingdom of God for more of God, for more of his heart, for more of his power and his presence. So last thing I'll say really quick, but one of my favorite visuals to do in my time with God is I'll just like picture Jesus in like my space with me. And oftentimes I'm like sitting on a couch or I'm sitting in my bed. And so he'll just like come and sit down with me. And like one of the first things he usually does in my imagination is he'll like, he'll like, do some form of physical touch. Like he'll grab my hand or he'll put his arm on my shoulder or scoop me up in a hug or something. And there's this element of like, how can I be fearful of the world when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is like sitting next to me, holding me? You know, there's just this like feeling of like, whew, you know, like I'm safe. I'm okay. Like, I kind of bring whatever you want in me. Like I've got Jesus sitting next to me. You know, like I can do anything with him. And so I think that's a big revelation that God's working out in me is like, okay, fear's going to come. It's exchangeable. And it's actually almost like better when you walk through fear and you get to experience it with God. He gives you something exchange and it like makes you feel closer to God in the end instead of just being like, trying to do it. So I just love yeah. that idea and that concept that God showed me over the last couple of years. That's so good. So good. I love the exchangeable. I love, and I love the visual. My mind works that way, but exchangeable meaning it's, I don't have to hold on to it. I can give it back to him. But the first step that I think I love that you said was identify because if we're worried, if we go down the shame spiral, right, we're afraid, then we're feeling bad for being afraid because we're not supposed to be afraid or blah, blah, blah. Right. And you go down that spiral at some point you have to stop it, hopefully before it gets out of hand. But then 
if you, like Macy said, are, okay, I'm feeling this way and really pick this for any emotion, but I'm feeling this and okay, I'm identifying it. I'm sitting with it for a second to be like, what am I afraid that something's going to happen? Am I afraid? Like, what is this? Because then you can see where the enemy's lying to you at if you identify it. If you don't identify it, he has a, he can keep going with it. Right. And so I love authority. I'm all about authority over here. And so when you identify what it is and sort of what the root cause is, like I, uh, let's see, I don't like swimming with my kids because I'm afraid one's going to drown. Okay. I've identified that. So that was a random example, but here we go. But if I let my mind spiral, I can visualize my kid drowning. I can see the aftermath, right? I can go into this thing and then I'm afraid of water, which is not healthy. Instead, okay, I am, I don't want to go to pools. I'm afraid that my kid's going to drown. So I put them in swimming lessons <laughs> and then I give the fear of an accident happening to the Lord in exchange for his peace in exchange mm-hmm. that he loves my kids more than I, and he's going to do what he wants according to his will. Right. So like, but if you don't, that was a horrible example, but if you don't no, identify it, then it'll just, it'll manifest into something else. And I do believe yeah. with you that enemy is a liar. It's what the Bible says. Satan kills, steals, and destroys. And he does that. We saw it all the way back in Genesis by lying. But when he lied to her, he was really putting some, a different fear of God in her, that God was a punisher, that God was going Mm -hmm. to reprimand her for eating a fruit. Right. And that's, that's not the actual truth. And so yeah. Well, and I just want to add really quick to what you said, because I think something that was helpful visual for me is when I would identify fear, I would picture the enemy like laying his like hand, like if it's like a deck of cards, he like laid his hand down. And oftentimes the scheme of the enemy was the exact opposite of what God was trying to invest mm. or like plant in me. So for your example, I think there's a great example with the pool, especially summertime, people are swimming all the time. You know, it's like if I'm constantly living in fear that my kids are gonna drown what's the enemy's play here? You know, he doesn't want my kids to make memories this summer. He doesn't want me to have peace this summer. He doesn't want my kids to, I don't know, there's like a thousand things that you and the Holy Spirit can kind of sift through. But it's like, he kind of, he's kind of dumb. And I don't mean that in like a passive way or like like diminishing the power of the enemy because I know he has power in this world. But it's like, he kind of shows his hand to us. And often we can use that with the Holy Spirit to be like, okay, I'm going to do the opposite. You know, like you said, I'm going to put my kids in swim lessons so then they can be confident so that I can love going to the pool with them. So we make memories all summer, you know, and you're almost like kicking them in the gut, you know, and you're just like, okay, if you're going to like bring this scheme on my family, I'm going to trump it with the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth of God's word, and then the authority I have as a believer to like live out the kingdom values. It just, it it just makes it feel not as daunting. I think fear felt daunting for a lot of my life and overwhelming and like paralyzing. And I think learning that it's exchangeable for the things of God and that the enemy, the enemy just like doesn't really get to win. If we understand the like hierarchy that God operates out of and we don't have to like hold on to it, like you were saying. So I'm like, yeah, he's a liar. He has schemes, but oftentimes those schemes are like telling of what God wants to do, which just feels like almost feels like a game at that point. You know, like let me detect what the enemy's doing and then let me 
seek God for the the like answer or the exchange because I believe he wants to give it to us every time and it looks different every time and I'm like every time I've taken my fear of the world to God and I've asked him to exchange it for fear of him my trust in him has increased my understanding mm-hmm. of him has increased my desire to like know him and worship him and surrender my life to him has decreased increased as the last thing I was going to say about Isaiah 6 is it's so cool that when once Isaiah sees God, verse eight, it says Isaiah's commission from the Lord. And it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. And then God said, Go and say to my people. And he like goes and gives him a charge and a commission. He gives him purpose. He gives him a mission. And then so it was like he encountered God. He saw that he was unholy and unclean. He had fear. God like sealed him and sanctified him, made that exchange. And then what's the fruit of that mission? You know, we get to go and share it with other people. We get to live a life of like the whole world is like being crippled by fear. And we get to stand in light and be like, I'm not worried about my kids drowning. You know, like I trust God mm-hmm. with their lives. Why would he give them to me? You know, if he's, if that's going to be the way he takes them away, that's not from God. You know, like we get to live in like this, I don't, I don't want to say mountaintop because that feels kind of prideful, but like we get to live in this like higher view of the world and looking at God and not looking at the junk of the world. And it just gets me excited. And I'm like, I don't live that way. You know, I don't want to live stuck in fear. I want to live stunned by who God is, stuck in the fear of God. And then the outflow of my life is helping other people, you know, yeah. break through fear and exchanging it. I think that's so cool too, because so many times I feel like in, maybe it's like growing up in Sunday school, but we feel like it's a Marvel movie where there's God is the good guy and devil is the bad guy and they're going against (laughs) each other, but that's not actually what is happening. And the reverent fear of God has to do with this too, because the devil has lost. This is not um, a battle that they're still winning in, in a way where it's like good versus evil. God has Mm -hmm. already won. We are on the winning team. God is just so gracious enough to allow time where the enemy gets to try and get as many people as he can on his team, but he's already lost, right? So he's like a sore loser who he can't create anything. So he, there's no new schemes. He's using all of his same tricks from the Bible and he's trying to distract and do all the things to us to get us on his side, right? And so, yeah. but knowing but like the part that we forget as believers is we're on the winning team. When Christ Mm -hmm. died on the cross and rose again, he took the keys of hell with him. Like he won. And so you are right in that, not prideful, but we are, we're on the mountaintop. We're on the winning team. But how many times do we forget that? And so we shrink back and allow fear to take over or feelings or anxiety or whatever. But yes, a gentle reminder, because we love you. You're on the winning (laughs) team. So sister friend, act like it. (laughs) Let's go. But also with Isaiah 6. Sorry, real quick. Isaiah, I love, I love that scripture so much, but I also love at the end, Isaiah had an encounter with the father and he Mm -hmm. had no hesitation to say, here I am, God, send me. And so we sing songs that say, here I am, send me. We, we talk about it, but sometimes ladies who are super busy, like all of us, what we're missing is the Isaiah had an encounter with the father. And so here on the podcast, that's literally what we talk about. And I know that's Macy's heart as well, but like deepening your relationship with the father, 
Your only job is to fall more in love with the father. And on days when you're feeling anxious and fearful, that means exchanging your fear for his peace. That means digging in your word, spending time worshiping, keeping your eyes above and not on all the worldly junk that's going on. But like, it was because he had an encounter with the father that he was able to say, here I am, Lord, send me. So like, start with that father. Yeah. Time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was the last thing I was going to say before we wrap up and probably wrap up is like, if you've stumbled across this podcast and you don't have a relationship with father God, or you don't understand the gospel, like the, the, like the elements of fear that are probably tackling you or paralyzing you in your everyday life, they feel pretty overwhelming. And maybe they do, even if you are a believer, but I'm like, that was the power of Isaiah six. And it's the power of, I'm trying to find it. I think it's in, it's in the first couple of chapters of that. Maybe Acts four. Yeah. Acts four um, is basically like a summary of the gospel and what Jesus came and did. And obviously you can read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John to understand the gospel deeply. But I think there's just like um, a refresh for anybody who is a believer. And then there's like um, an invitation for anybody who's maybe listening that doesn't, hasn't given their life to God of like, fear is part of our world. And I would say it's increasing fear Mm -hmm. of every hot topic you want to list off right now, <laughs> like with yeah. just fear surrounding it. And so our anchor is in the truth. Our anchor is we believe the Bible is true. We believe that the gospel is true, that re- Jesus really did come. He lived a perfect life and he chose to give up that perfect life as a sacrifice for us. And he chose to die for us, but he didn't stay dead. And three days later, he miraculously rose from the grave. And that's kind of what I believe I for kind of and wines um, and clearly helps state that's it's not Acts 4 I'm sorry but somewhere in the beginning of that but it's basically Peter saying don't you realize what Jesus did like believe and put your life in your surrender in him and that's what makes the exchange possible if we live in fear trying to do it on our own we're just gonna like suppress it and it's gonna reignite suppress it reignite but if we exchange it and give it to God I believe that it's like a supernatural fix, you know, or a supernatural exchange. Yeah, it might take our brains and our heart and our faith a little while to catch up, but I can look back on my life and be like, oh, I'm not fearful of my mom dying anymore. You know, I'm not Mm -hmm. fearful of every time I get on a plane, it crashing. I'm not fearful of having a miscarriage, you know, like I'm not like there's like these different places in my life that fear really riled me up Yeah, but because of the the privilege and the gift of the exchange through the gospel and through the Holy spirit. I don't have to live holding on to those things. And I just like want that for every woman. I want that for every family. I want that for every child of God, for them to know that because they have access to father God and the Holy spirit, they don't have to live in fear and they can choose to like exchange it and get a higher perspective of God and worship God in the midst of the things of the world not get stuck. So good. So good. Thank you, Macy, for sharing your story and this message. I, mm-hmm. I think you need to shout it from the rooftops everywhere because, <laughs> because so many, just basically, because so many of us deal with different fears and anxieties and things, and you've given us practical ways to give it back to the father and to keep our eyes up and to exchange fear for any of the fruits of the spirits. And so thank you for that. Yeah. Before we go, where can we come find you, stalk you, say hi? <laughs> yeah, I uh, 
trying to have healthy lifestyle. So I'm not a ton on social media, but I love everything and I support Sam and I were talking about this before we started recording, but we just support everything that my parents are doing with Crazy mm-hmm. Cool Family. That's the name of the ministry. If you search that on Instagram, Facebook, or Google, it'll pop up. They've written a book called Crazy Cool Family, which I'm actually reading through right now again. And I'm just like just blown away at the revelation and the practical ways God is talking about family. So that's the main ways I would say connect with us um, through crazycoolfamily.com. Uh, you can connect with us through Instagram. You can come say hi to me and Sam. We're, we're kind of running the Instagram world oh, right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just think that, yes, my message is fear, like fear of God and worship. But I think the season God's taking me into is family and like living for the kingdom, for God's kingdom family and like what that looks like. So come look up Crazy Cool Family, share this podcast with people, promote Sam, promote um, the Abundant Woman, and just promote Crazy Cool Family because I think we're all in this mission together. Yep. of trying to love Jesus, trying to love each other, um, trying to raise the next generation to like stand on our shoulders, you know, to go even farther than we could have ever gone with scripture and truth and mission and the Holy Spirit. So that's how you can connect okay. with me. And thanks for awesome. having me. Thanks so much. Friend, I hope you were blessed by this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before you go, quick things. One, can you follow us on social? I would love to get social with you. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube all have the username Abundant Woman Co. Come say hi. Also, we have a free Facebook community that has women just like you building community, going after Jesus, and just making connections. Come join us there. I can't wait to meet you. And last, I would love if you could screenshot this episode and share it on your socials for a chance to be featured. Until next time.